Welcome to Nexus Church Online. Today we'll be sharing with you a message from our Sunday service this week that I believe is going to impact your life. If you want more information about Nexus Church or what we do here, if you want to follow us on Facebook, uh, just check out Nexus Church Thief River Falls and we will pop up on Facebook as well as going to nexuschurchmn.com and you can find all the information online as well. We thank you for joining us and we pray that God will bless you and show you his favor this week. Welcome back to our series titled Follow Me from the Book of Mark. This is the intro to the Book of Mark and really intro to Jesus' ministry on earth. And over the course of these past few weeks, we've taken a look at a lot of healings that Jesus has done along with his calling people to follow him. Now this week we come to one of my favorite accounts of Jesus, the one where he encounters a very despised man in the society, one who was called a tax collector. If you know the story, you know we are talking about Matthew, one of the people who wrote about Jesus. His name just happened to also be Levi. And so in our text today, we'll see him be referred to as Levi. And so Jesus has this powerful encounter with this man, and, and he does something that many in society would never imagine doing. They would never be caught with this person. He deals with somebody who was far from God, something that the religious elite that were looking for the Messiah could not accept. And so today we are going to be taking a look at those in our own personal lives that we view as far from God and how do we interact with those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. So we will come to that as we come to an end today. And so let's take a look at Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 13 through 17, and see this story for ourselves. And then we'll take a look and dig into the passage. So Luke 2, or sorry, Mark 2, verse 13 says, Jesus went out again beside the sea. He always seems to be by the sea. I don't know about you, but gosh, I sure wouldn't mind being hanging out with Jesus by the sea. That's besides the point. And the whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then, passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes who where Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Here comes one of the most powerful words in all the scriptures. 
I didn't come to call the righteous, those who think they're right with God, that's what that means, but sinners. Let's unpack this passage just a little bit. And so first, we need to understand who are tax collectors. Why were they considered such horrible people in the eyes of the religious elite? And, and really, in all of society, these men were considered despised. And here's why. They were truly Israelites. They were Jewish followers of God, the one true God. They were in line with those who would be considered God cho- God's chosen people. However... They threw all that away to partner with the enemies of the Israelites, the Romans, those who at the time of this passage and the time of Jesus were ruling ruthlessly over the Israelites, over all of Israel. These were despised people. And so these Israelites that were tax collectors partnered with, in fact, they bought the rights to collect taxes for the Romans, they, they bought their way into collecting money from their own people to give to the enemies. These were, you can tell why, they were despised people. But if that wasn't bad enough, these tax collectors caused the Israelites to pay more in taxes. You see, the, the Romans required a certain amount out of people and the tax collectors raised it up. They, they set the bar higher. And so let's just give an example. For instance, if the taxes to be collected were $40, the tax collectors would come on and they would look at the numbers, they'd look at the people, and they would figure out a way to raise that up to maybe 60, 70, maybe double what was required of the Israelites. So they were taking advantage of their own people. Not only were they partnering with the enemies of Israel, they were causing their own people to pay more in taxes so that they themselves could become rich. They had thrown everything away to become rich. And so what would happen with these people is they would end up becoming rejected like their own families the, their own country, and those in the church. All of them would reject them. They would kick them out. We don't know who you are. You're not one of us. And so these tax collectors were not only nobodies in their own country, in their own family, they weren't even welcomed within the Romans. And so they had no place in the world other than they enjoyed their riches. But then comes Jesus. And he is just walking by on the sea, right? On the seashore. Walking by and he sees the tax collector and his booth. And he calls out to him, follow me. How scandalous. Like, Jesus called the most despised person in all of Israel to partner with him in ministry. Follow me. Become one of my 
followers. I'm going to make you, like he told his other disciples, I'm going to make you a fisher of people. You are going to continue on the ministry that I start. He calls a despised person. Scandalous. But what is almost as profound, or maybe equally or more so profound, depending on how you look at it, what, what I find crazy is that Levi, or Matthew, followed him. He, he gave up the wealth to become a follower of this servant, of this one who's claiming to be God, but has no proof other than healings, and it, it was bizarre. Because you have to understand that when he left the tax booth, when, when he walked away from that location, he would never return. He knew without a doubt that his time was over as a tax collector, along with all of his money, the power he had, had been given to him by the Romans to do whatever he wanted to collect taxes. He had power. He gave up power. He gave up wealth. All to become known by God. Powerful thought. And so here he is. And then we read. He throws a party. You see, Levi had such a radical change that he wanted all of his friends to meet this man that changed his life. He had a transformation right then and there. When Jesus called him, something happened in Levi's life. We don't get to see what really happened underneath it all in his heart and in his mind. But God did something inside of Levi that radically changed him, and he wanted all those friends who are far from God to hear it as well. And what does the text say? The result? Many were coming to follow Jesus in that moment. What an evangelist. Like, he was proclaiming Jesus right there when he had him over. He was... Potentially, as far as we are aware, he was the first evangelist. Like, he brought all of his lost friends that had no clue of Jesus, no clue of God, nothing. And he brought them. Now, these were a bunch of messed up people. And maybe a bunch of tax collectors themselves, but maybe not. Maybe it was just all the scum of Israel coming together to hang out at this rich man's house. So he bought them to come and to hear Jesus through a wild party. Who knows what was all there? But many of them came. The first person to bring his friends to church. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And Jesus delivered, and many of them followed. First converts of a disciple. <laughs> But then, of course, those religious elite were there again. Like I said before, they're always lurking 
always just in the background watching, what's he going to do next? We just, we want to get him. We're watching. We're waiting. We want to pounce. And now they had their chance. Like, here it is. Jesus is hanging out with horrible people. The people that no faithful follower of God should ever be in the presence of. Like, doesn't he know the Old Testament that we can't have any impurities among us? we got to kick them out of the camp. We have to be far from them. But they had forgotten. They had forgotten that they, they were supposed to be the light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to be ones that, that brought the nations to God to reveal the goodness of God. That was, that was what God set in the Old Testament. They were to be pure, to go to the impure. They lost it. They had forgotten the whole reason they existed. And so they look at Jesus and they started hammering the disciples. And he started just going after them. Why is he hanging out with these evil guys? Why, tax collectors and sinners, doesn't he realize who they are? Man, what's going on? Right? Like, like the Messiah, right? The Messiah was supposed to come in and in, in their minds, right? Like this is the way they were thinking. The Messiah was supposed to come in and get rid of Rome, get rid of the rule. And so Jesus comes along, and he's partnering with sinners who are partnering with the enemies of what the Messiah was supposed to do. Like, the Messiah was supposed to come and get rid of these evil tax collectors that were partnering with the, the, the evil people. You know? Like, these were those, those people. That political party, like, that's what Jesus was hanging out with, loving on the, the other side of the aisle, whichever side you think is the bad side. Like, that's what he was doing. He was loving on them. He was calling them to be his followers. He was hanging out with the most despised. I don't know who that is for you, but that's what Jesus was doing. He was hanging out with the baby killers, if you want to call it that. He was hanging out with those who, who were lost in jail, in prison. Killing people. That was Jesus. To them, that's not what the Messiah was supposed to do. And so here they are. So confused. So angry. Because things are outside of what they thought it was supposed to be. And they just ride those poor disciples but they had forgotten, like I said before, their whole purpose. They were supposed to be the light. And, and here is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 49, that the Messiah was supposed to be. They had forgotten, they had forgotten that, that the Messiah was supposed to be the light to the Gentiles. I don't know how they had forgotten Isaiah 49. I don't know how they, they lost this passage in time, but they had created such a, a mindset that they, they blocked this scripture out. So let's, let's read this. Isaiah 49 verse 1 says this. 
coasts and islands, listen to me. Distant peoples pay attention. The Lord called me before I was born. He named me while I was in my mother's womb. He made my words like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hands. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I myself said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in futility. Yet my vindication is with the Lord and my reward is with my God. And now, says the Lord. Okay, so we're building right now. Right, this is, this is what the, the Messiah is supposed to do. And now, says the Lord, who formed me from my womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in his sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, he says, it is not enough for you to be my servant raising up the tribe of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. Okay, in case you didn't get that there, God is saying about the Messiah, right? This chapter is about the Messiah. If you want to read all the way through it, you'll realize that this is talking about the, 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 the Savior who is to come, the one sent by God to redeem Israel. But now he's saying it's not enough that you're coming to redeem Israel, that's what Jacob is referring to in this passage, there is something more. There's something more. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That is what the Messiah was supposed to be. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to fulfill what Israel failed to do, to be a light to the nations, to bring salvation to all people. That's what Jesus did. And so he looks to them with this, I'm sure, just, just this pure indignation. Now, I don't know if you can have pure indignation, but he, he was just looking at them and with a sense of pain in his voice, but also a sense of royal just anger, pure anger. He looks at them and he says, I didn't come for the sick. Or I didn't come for the, the, the perfect, I came for the sick. And then he says this, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. In essence, what he's saying, I didn't come for you. You are the ones who are supposed to go to the world, and you failed. I didn't come for you. I mean, I did, if you want to receive me, but you don't. Your spirits are closed. You have a closed heart. You have nothing to do with me because you don't want to hear. And so because you're not willing to receive, I didn't come for you. I came for those who you were supposed to reach. I came for the sick. I came for those who would be willing to receive me. And you haven't. Oh. Wow, talk about like just hitting these men right across the head with a baseball bat. Like they had been just like, oh, wow. 
Like, the thing with Jesus is he, he doesn't have anger like we have anger. Like, he has a pure, pure pain and sorrow inside. When he remarks out of a, a sense of, of pain and sorrow and, and righteous indignation, if you want to call it that. But in, in real world, it's anger. When he comes out in an anger, it's not out of, out of a sinful or evil way. It's a, it's, it's a calm, righteous, perfect response. And he looks at them and says, you messed it up. And in fact, you didn't mess it up. You're also trying to ruin everybody else behind you around you I've come to welcome those who are far from him he came to teach them to do the same right he came to seek and to save the lost and he came that when they were to be found when those far from him were found he taught them through his life and how he lived it out, and they followed him, just like, just like Levi in this passage. He picked up what Jesus was going to do, and he followed him every step of the way, and when Jesus passed on, he continued it. That's what Jesus did. He sought those who were far from God. He brought them into a relationship, and he lived life next to them. He taught them. That's what it means to be a disciple to be alongside of another and to continue what he started or she started. So that's what Jesus did. And we see that it begins in this passage very clearly that we read from Mark today. It begins when we go to the dark places. You see, Jesus called out to his disciples a few passages for you today to, to just meditate on. We read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, Jesus said this, right, referring to, again, being a light to those who don't know the good news, like, like being that example, that, that city on a hill that... that we refer to in the Old Testament that Israel was supposed to be. Now Jesus is looking to his followers that were lost and now found. They were far from God. Now they're in relationship with God. And he looks at them and he says, now you, you are what Israel was supposed to be. You, in verse 14 of Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You now are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Right? We are to be that light. We now, like Jesus, are supposed to go to those dark places, to those people that are, are far from God. And they don't realize it. We're to go to them. And when we go to them, then, then we do what he did and what he calls us to do in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. We are to now, just like him, go to the dark places, help those who don't know God come to him, 
And now we are to, like Jesus, bring them alongside of us and to teach them, to baptize them, to get them saved, and then to recreate ourselves, in a sense, in another person, so that they can now recreate themselves in another person, and so that we can make disciples of all nations. So, so what we're saying is that we are to go. We are to be a light to the dark places, and we're to bring them alongside of us so they can do the same. And it all begins when we are like Jesus and hang out with the tax collectors and sinners. And so, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for us? If we are to be like Jesus and, and go to those who are far from God so that they can encounter forgiveness... And come into a relationship with God the Father. If that's what Jesus laid, what does that look like for us? Who do you have that is far from God? Who is in your life that needs to hear about Jesus? How can you bring Jesus to them? How can you be like Jesus to them? What does that look like for you? If you are the light of the world now, if you are to make disciples, to teach, to bring them alongside of you, where do you go? What do you do? What is that for you? And maybe today, maybe today you have to step back and say, I, I don't know if I'm in the light. I don't know if I have come into faith in this Jesus that you're talking about, this guy that walked the earth and, and claimed to be God and, and died and and in, in you're saying he rose from the dead, meaning that he, he died, but he didn't die. He, he's still living. Maybe, maybe you need to come into the light today. You need to say, I've lived my life far from God. Maybe you're not that bad of a person, but you know that you're not perfect. And, and because you're not perfect, you, you know maybe enough of the Bible to know. Maybe you don't know, but, but according to the Bible... One, one wrong thing that we do separates us from God. But Jesus cleared the way so that anything we've done that goes against God's perfect standard could be forgiven in our lives. And so today, if, if you want to come to the light, if you want to become a follower like Levi did in that instance and be a follower of, of Jesus, will you give your life to him? Will you... Ask for forgiveness. Say, I've messed up, and I want your forgiveness, and I want to live for you. I want to become your disciple, Jesus. Will you simply tell Jesus that? We, we talk about prayer, and, and maybe prayer is a confusing thing for you. Will you just say, God, I'm a sinner. I believe in you. I believe that you, you lived on earth. You, you lived a perfect life. You died in place of me, I was supposed to die and live separately from God, but you took my place, you died, you were buried, but you conquered death, you conquered sin, and now you're with the Father. And because of your death, if I, if I believe those things, 
I can become a follower of you and give my life to you. Will you do that? And for the rest of us, and for you now today who've become a follower, will you seek and save those who are far from God? Will you be a light? Will you bring Jesus to others? And maybe for you today, that might be a hard thing. Maybe that's something you struggle with. You don't know how to do it. Just be yourself and love people. And in time, ask God to give you the strength to say what needs to be said so that those people who you care about can have an opportunity to either come to church with you or maybe you will have the opportunity to say what I just said to you and give them Jesus. Will you do that? You see, Rick Warren powerfully put it this way. He says, the way you store up treasure in heaven is by investing in getting people there. I'm telling you today, if you know of someone who hasn't become a follower of God, the greatest treasure in heaven you and I can have is knowing that our loved ones, our friends, will be with us in heaven. That is the greatest treasure that I know of that we can experience. I want every single person that I know to be in heaven with me. That'll be a party. Much like Levi's party. All my friends around me in the presence of Jesus for all of eternity. Man, that will be an amazing party. That'll be an amazing party. And so whatever is holding you back, whatever is keeping you from bringing Jesus to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your school classmates, whatever is keeping you from that today, will you push it aside and bring Jesus to your friends? Father, I pray for your people today. I just I sense... Father, that, that they need that courage, they need that power, they need the wisdom of what to say, of what to do, how to present it, Father. In today's day and age, every person's at a different place with their, their receptivity of who Jesus is. And so I pray that you will give my friends, my family, the wisdom the power, the, the understanding of how to approach every situation so that they can bring Jesus to every dark place, to every person who is far from you so that they may know the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus family, and we look forward to seeing you again next week.